it's time for the Super Coach Professionals Roundtable Podcast. And here's your hosts, Paulie G, Ryan MS, Peter Hanscom, and Andrew Muldock Molinaroli. Sure is time for the Roundtable Podcast and the big one is finally here. We're two days away from some footy, finally at last. And I can't wait. Uh, talking teams later on t- today. They've just been announced. Got uh, Ryan MS with us as always. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Doing well, doing well. And Andrew Muldog Mullinaroli back. How are you, mate? Very well. Can't wait for the season to start. Very excited. You would be too. Those manly seagulls of yours um, right up there with the... Um, just the rung below premiership favourites, believe it or not. Yeah, mate, um, expectations are higher, especially in my house. <laughs> Peter Hanscom is frantically driving his way back to Sydney, hoping to catch us a bit later in the show, especially when it gets time for our famous uh, predictions for premiers and wooden spooners, but uh, not with us at the moment. And unfortunately, neither is uh, Pat Lyons. Could you bay health and injury cares, Pat Lyons? But I tell you what, last week, great kickoff for him joining the Supercoach Professionals um, with that information about Brett Morris. And now we're hearing out for four months. So that, you know, alternative, if you will, the, the experimental stem cell surgery, not going that great for Brett Morris. And now he's got to go back in for more surgery. So something we'll keep following on the show, especially when Pat's back next week. We still need to talk a bit of injuries, guys, because um, Matt Moylan um, out, not playing this week. And it could be could be longer. It's one we, we want to get that information off, Pat, and we'll have it up on our website in regards to him. But, Ryan, Penrith already with the buy structure, 12, to 15, 12 and 15, sorry. Um, I guess now you're really saying Moylan's a no-no. Yeah, he is at the moment. Um, you really got to get some solid information um, about him coming back, like he's definitely coming back in whatever round he's coming back in um, before, yeah, you make any choice. But in the meantime, look elsewhere. Yeah, and we'll go through all the teams and those um, guys. I think it's Will Smith being named in his absence there a bit later on in the show. Andrew, the Anthony Watmo knee injury created a, a storm last week, of course. Um, you know, the information was coming out that he was going to have to retire, as it turned out. Um, you know, he's denied the retirement at, at this stage, but, um, you know, still it's looking like longer rather than shorter, and Tepamaro will be the um, the guy to take advantage in his stead. Yeah, I think what we were trying to get at is, is Maroa's potential for being a, uh, a point, of, point of difference and uh, potentially a, a gun. You know, he's a, a kid with all the makings of a good... Uh, NRL player, or he already is a great NRL player, so I, I think at his price you've got to have a look at him. And Parramatta, you know, we're speaking about buys in regards to Penrith, well, you get no better buy, buy schedule than rounds 13 and 16 for Parramatta. And Ryan, there's one other thing we should mention in regards to uh, Anthony Watmo's um, non-confirmal or denial, I guess, of retirement or however you want to sort of phrase it. It's very technical, but, it, but um, Parramatta in regards to not being able to announce his retirement due to salary cap uh, reasons, I believe. Yeah, well, that's... um, I was listening to James Hooper the other day on the NRL show on um, Fox Sports, and he was saying that exact same thing, saying that uh, there was a bit of confusion over if Parramatta could claim could claim that on insurance or if they'd have to include it in the salary cap and 
because uh, there's a lot of money involved, obviously, so no one wants to jump the gun and um, preempt anything. So I, I think it's Mark, one of those wait and see things. He was the one, of course, when it looked like that four point um, suspension may have occurred. It didn't, but that was over the Watmo um, yeah. contract. So he he wasn't able to walk last year, Anthony Watmo. He had to learn to walk again. So, so there's more to it than meets the eye, but, but we. we we do apologise if we, we jump the gun, but definitely stay tuned. Now, guys, um, very important uh, segments that we've been running all through the pre-season, and now that we're nearly here to start the season, we've got one more to go. It's the overall Supercatch perspective. And in regards to, um, you know, we've talked a lot about head-to-head in the draft, but we felt let's bring someone in, and um, we've done a one-on-one um, the person that uh, we did the one-on-one with for overall is a person uh, called Bill. Now, his regular team is called the Wild Men, so you may be familiar with that. He's played since uh, the first year, the inception of Supercoach, um, although he doesn't encourage that if you have a wife or a son or a daughter, bring in a second or third team on their behalf and help them out. He's had uh, a top three finish that first year, accumulated a couple of other top 20 finishes and two other top 100 finishes. He is our one-on-one for the week, and we're going to play some of his uh, interview with him, or my interview with him, uh, right now on the show for you. And it's absolutely great to have you with us, Bill. Looking forward to this immensely. Let's start at the beginning. How do you approach the season when trying to win it all? Yeah, hello, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, firstly, I see the season as being divided into five parts, and each part has its own strategy. Now, those parts are the pre-season, which is selection time, rounds one to three, which I call decision time, rounds four to 11, which are accumulation time, mm-hmm. rounds 12 to 19, the representative season, and then the run home from 20, rounds 20 onwards. Now, some tactics I use are just the basic regular ones that we all use, whether head-to-head or overall, but a few are specifically designed to take advantage of, of any advantage that it presents itself during the Supercoach season. It's all about taking any advantage offered. Right, so let's go to the pre-season that, that we're in now. We're getting almost here in round one. Um, let's look at the selection of your team. In head-to-head, coaches generally sort of, you're in a league with your mates, you only have the one team, but you're saying potentially if you've got you know, wife, girlfriend, son, daughter, add another team or two, help them along. And why would you do that? And from a strategic perspective, how do you differ in those teams? Well, firstly, I've got to say it can't be emphasised enough that a good start is very important to overall players. Everybody knows that the the key to supercoach success is to find the right blend of rookies and guns in your initial team for round one. And selection methods vary between head-to-head and overall players for the most part, but if you hope to achieve at the highest level in supercoach, they do really need to vary. Head-to-head and overall players should use a slightly different approach as each has slightly different priorities and risks. Now, a couple of years ago, we had a situation where in the first three rounds, several of the better guns were injured and suspended. From memory, it was Paul Gowan, Sonny Bill Williams, I think Conrad Hurrell, and several others amongst the massive points failures in the early rounds. All teams initially with the standard bunch of gun players in their lineups found themselves well outside the top 20,000 right from the start. The early leaders were those who had the right guns and avoided the wrong guns. It was pure bad luck, but it killed many players' chances right there in the first three rounds. 
Now, having a single team is putting all your eggs in one basket. A second team, courtesy of the wife or son, thanks very much, uh, which doesn't rely on the same core players, gives you multiple chances of at least one team making a good start. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have second best players in team two. What I am suggesting is you split up your guns just a little, don't have the same core five gun forwards, for example, in both teams. You could have one or maybe two in both, but split the remainder up. There are plenty of top players to choose from in most positions. Variety could keep uh, one of your teams in the hunt, even if the other team flops badly. So it really is about those guns and, and trying to maximise maximise which guns are going to really get you going early, I guess. How do you frame your team entering round, round one? Do you fit as many big names as you can and then speculate on a bunch of cheapies? Or are you looking through the list, there's those longer-term money makers, the value buyers and the mid-price improvers? Now, yes to all the above. There's really not much difference in the initial selection criteria between head-to-head -head and overall, right. aside from trying to avoid anyone who doesn't potentially contribute, uh, either as a massive point scorer, a gun, or a massive money earner, rookies, mid-price improvers. Unless they are gun players you intend to hold, you should avoid players with little upside in their price. Yep. The real difference in team selection happens after the competition starts as you start to make your trades each week. This is where the tactics should be different to head-to-head -head coaches. Okay. Starting point. Yeah. Now those four trades after rounds two and three 
are absolutely vital. Used right with the correct tactics, they can set a course for you towards building a great team from what might have been just a very good team. Now is the best opportunity you'll get to massively increase your team value and therefore the number of gun players you'll own later in the game. Most coaches go into the final rounds with 18 or 19 guns. This is your chance to eventually take them on with 20 to 21 guns in your team. I make every trade in rounds two and three with the round four change of values uh, for the players in mind. Every trade. I also enter Supercoach expecting to burn a few trades, getting rid of underperforming guns. Not hoping, expecting. Hard decisions have to be made, and that's why it's decision time. It's amazing advice. It's not exactly conventional, but that's why you're competing overall, and a lot of people end up just in... in, in, It might do well in head-to-head, but using those trades, you know, it's such a key bit of advice. I'm just wondering, what about the really big-name players like Corey Parker or Paul Gallen? Do you trade them out early just just so you can get them back cheaper if if it looks like their price is dropping? Absolutely, I do. I've done it many times. For several mad weeks of scrambling, I get rid of players I love and bring in players I hate just for the cash it brings. Of course, that's providing certain criteria met. The player um, who you trade out, his price drop has to be pretty substantial and uh, the the cash that you gain from bringing one in has to be pretty good as well. So you get a big, uh, big figure in terms of extra cash for the trades. Um, also, I need to see minimal disruption to my team's scoring potential, yeah. which isn't always easy. Yeah. While dumping a gun will always work against your score, if it's minimal and only for a couple of weeks, the trade-off in cash will usually be worth it long-term. The money is power. Uh, again, being king, I guess, king, I guess the mantra, money is power. That's It's, it's totally about money. I, if you, It's no coincidence at the end of a game, if you have a look at the, the salary cap of the top 20 players... And you compare that to the top, to the salary cap of the, the 500th to 520th teams, yeah. you'll find there's many hundreds of thousands difference. They've got there on the back of the players that money has been able to buy them towards the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we hope the listeners have, have, have gotten onto something here. You, if you want to win overall, use the trades early on because that's your best chance to make some money and really get, get that salary cap up that you're going to utilise later on in the season. Let's look at now the third part uh, of the season, rounds 4 to 11. Now, you call this accumulation time. Can you explain to listeners exactly what you mean by this? Yes, it's it's time to accumulate cash by culling maxed-out rookies, time to accumulate better players by keeping an eye out for other rookies or even improving mid-price players. Um, If they show imminent signs of large value increases, they've got to get your interest. Um, You can harvest them later on, but it's, it's purely and simply a matter of you churning through the trades. Every trade should have an objective of either getting better players in or making a lot of money. You don't waste trades. You don't look at uh, players you like. You look at players who can bring something to the team either on the field in a big way or in your pocket in a big way. Um, you're churning through trades. But it's also time to continue planning ahead. Now, it's, very, it's very, very important you plan ahead for the rep season. It's the next big advantage that comes your way. Um, and as you close in on it, you've got to be—you've really got to be planning for it. All right, representative season. This brings me to, I guess, the next question: the buy schedules. They're such a key component for Supercoach. We talk about them each and every year, pre-season, during the season, when Origin is just around the corner. What advice do you give to those in the pre-season planning right now who plan to be in contention for the overall? Yeah, this is this is sort of Jekyll and Hyde advice. Uh, advice. 
Be aware of rep season and its pitfalls. The rep representative rounds are the most important part of the season to overall players. These rounds are the ones which will make or break your season and overall. Plan for it, make your decisions based on it, think of it as an, as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Relish it. This is your best chance to make up ground on the leaders if you plan right. I think in my first season, I entered the first round, the first rep round with about 13 or 1400th place. Yeah. And after the first and second rep rounds, I was up in the top 100. Yeah, right. You know, so I've, I've made an enormous amount of ground simply because back in those days, people weren't thinking that far ahead. Yeah. And they were arriving at the first rep round and saying, oh, look, it's two weeks away, I better start thinking about it. And suddenly they look and they say, I've only got seven players. Whereas at that stage, I had 14. Yeah. I'd already planned for it. Now, as I say, you've got to be aware of the teams that will and won't play in rounds 12 to 19, especially during the origin weeks. You write them down, make lists. Make some of your plans far in advance by looking at what I call the advantage teams, teams that play both rounds 12 and 15. Now, only eight teams play during round 12. Broncos, the Tigers, Dragons, Cowboys, the Raiders, the Bulldogs, the Knights and the Eels. Now, of those eight teams, only the Dragons and the Eels also play round 15, the second state of origin week. Right. Quality players from these two advantage teams are super coach gold. Sometimes... It's not easy to find quality players in those sides, but you simply, you simply need to do your best to have the good ones in your side. The Eels also play the, the tricky round 18, the third origin week, so it makes them even more invaluable. If you can find three or four top quality Parramatta players to hold through most of the season, you do it. Yeah. Now, before signing off on your final team, before round one, have one last look at it and see if there are any selected players who, who don't play round 12 and can be replaced by a similar player from one of the teams who do. Right. You can't decide between Warriors, Isaac, Luke and Broncos, Andrew McCulloch. Go with the Broncos. They do play round 12. But better still, pick Nathan Peets. Pick Mitch Rain of the Dragons and the Eels. They play both rounds 12 and 15. That's one trade saved later on a position and a position filled for both rounds. Use this formula where players are similar. Take the one who best advantages you later on if they're a similar point scoring ability. And now we're seeing the trades that you'll use that others might not. You don't have to use at the moment. Um, so the, you make these decisions early in the season, as I suggested, and now the pressure's off with a mid-season trade. Yeah, precisely. With my strategy involving burning a huge number of trades early in the season, at some stage I have to reduce my demand on trades to conserve enough for later. Yeah. If I prepare right, I can get away with a mid-season low in trades. The centre point of my season strategy is to have a full squad of 17 players playing in all three state of origin rounds, if possible. If not, then 16 at worst. With planning, this is more achievable than you think. Now, when I plan for rounds 12 and 15, I plan for both rounds at the same time, and I see all players as one of these three types. Type A, only available for round 12. Yeah. Type B, only available for round 15. Type C, the advantage players that I mentioned. Now, that's the Eels and the Dragons, as I mentioned. Mm. Now, well in advance, I know the split of these players I want come round 12. I want 11 from Group A, 11 players who play in round 12, um, and six advantage players. That gives me 17 for the, for the first rep game. Um, eight players from, from Group B in that team will be sidelined. However, they are available to play in round 15 three weeks later. Yeah. Theoretically, only tra uh, three trades needed between rounds 13 and 15 to go from a full squad in round 12 to a full squad in round 17, right. uh, round 15. Uh, I 
say theoretically because obviously injuries along with decisions that you make uh, can can mean needing additional trades to receive seven at 17 players but I mean one such decision is retaining rep players. If you retain a rep player, then you've got to make an extra trade to get that 17. Still three, I guess, when you've got four that you can use on those particular origin bye weeks. Mm. You've still got a lot up your sleeve. Let, let's look at representative players. How many do you advise people should keep during, during origin? The more you keep, the more trades that are needed to maintain 17 players between origin rounds. There are plenty of other options out there at that time of the season. Uh, without retaining four or five state of origin players. I'd rather a solid, fully available, non-state player through that period rather than a jaded state forward given 50 minutes uh, game time after three days, uh, three days after origin. Then, of course, there's the depreciation in player value as origin players struggle through the rep season. Now, I may keep one forward or maybe a couple of banks, but I'm never going to keep more than two rep season players through that, that, that section. Um, the rep season is also another place to potentially take advantage of the price drops and use the double trade system I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. By all means, early in the season, have five or six state players to boost your score. Gallon, Parker, Cam Smith, Inglis and the rest of them. But as round 12 approaches, pick your timing and colour few. Bring in players who will actually play games and, then, uh, and they'll be refreshed and keen to play rather yeah. than tired from you know, the, the start of the origin season. Right, players who are from the eight teams to play in round 12 and the non-origin players. They're the type you bring in, the Tolmans, McCulloch, Snowden, possibly Tedesco if he misses the team, foreign players like James Graham, cheaper rookies who get their chances when the Stars are playing origin, and of course six from the Eels and Dragons. You know, you can choose from guys like Rad Radra, Mau, Rain, Maria, uh, Pete, Joel Thompson, Frizzell possibly if he misses origin. Yep. Um, some seasons it's easy to find quality advantage players, others not. Um, seriously consider that if any eel or dragon player stands out to you as good enough to be borderline for your top 25 players, bring them in from round one. That's one less trade later on. They're, they're the two teams you're really targeting and you're also treating round 12 and 15 like a joint project rather than sort of separate. Um, okay, well, what about after round 12? How do you sort of change your tack? Okay, after round 12 we use exactly the same thinking to work on rounds 15 and 18 jointly. Right. The new so-called advantage teams become the Eels and the Roosters. They're the only teams that play in both of those rounds. Yep. We've already got 14 players available for round 15. And we can concentrate on bringing in high-quality players to add to those while only using three or four trades, hopefully. Um, with the Roosters and the Eels now gold, I would suggest retaining all the Eels and recruiting several top Roosters. Um, they become the advantage players looking further towards round 18. Um, also, you're looking to bring in whatever cream's available from the other teams that are playing in round 15. Right. Uh, unless the balance in your team can hold them, at this point in time, Knights and Broncos should be traded out because they, they play neither Origin Week and, and they're basically dead weight for your team. It's interesting with the Roosters because I guess of their, their injuries and a lot of unknown, maybe by that time of year, you've got some good players coming back that you'll be able to take advantage of and have them go through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's just bums on seats, basically. If you can get players in from those clubs, even if they're uh, fairly low-value guys that you're trading down to to make some cash, but they also contribute 30, 40, 45 points in those rounds, they're worth having, even if they're the dead, dead weight at the end of the season outside of your 2021 guns. Yeah. They're still worth making the trade down to the player, taking his points in the origin round and saying goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've talked about trades a fair bit um, so far. 
do you have targets as far as that trade usage for different parts of the season? And if so, how, you know, roughly what are they? Well, I don't have anything formal, but I do have a rough template in my head as I go along, just based on how it's been going in the past. Now, as I said, I go hard early using both trades every week for the first eight or nine weeks, unless there happens to be no one worth buying and nobody worth dumping, but that's very rare. There's always a buck to be made somewhere in the early rounds. Now, usually by the first Origin week, I've used about 18 trades. This year, Origin is around 12 rather than around 11, so I anticipate maybe 20 trades. That's half my season's trades up till round 12. Um, between the first two rep rounds, because of the strategy that I've, I've put in place, I try to keep it to a maximum of four more trades. If you get lucky with injuries, you can get, a, get away with three trades in that period. Um, by the way, I would advise people making trades uh, for the rep rounds. Never plan to make all four trades on an origin weekend as one injury means 17 players just can't be attained. Yeah. Um, plan for two or three at the most and keep that fourth trade up your sleeve just in case. So it's a mid-round trade potentially if you... If yeah, you that's, that's the best way. Year. That's the yeah. best way. Save one to use in the, the last two or three games if you need that extra player. It's very important. I don't think enough people take advantage of that, being able to trade mid-round. Yeah, when I first started, you weren't able to. You had to get yourself set early on yeah. and you lived or died by it. Yeah, the rolling lockout. You've got to take advantage. And when we get to the later rounds, round 16 to 19, I go hard again. I'm In this point in time, I'm, I'm finalising my, my third rep round team and I'm also building towards my planned 21 guns for the run home as a priority grabbing any of my planned final team that actually play round 18. Ideally, I save a minimum of six trades for round 20 onwards. And if my whole team is healthy at that stage, that really should be enough for the run home because right. you're looking at you're looking at 20 to 21 guns plus six trades to fill a 17-man team. Yeah, let's talk about the run home in your final section now. I guess the buzzword at that time of year is point of differences. How many, if any, do you want in your team? Yeah, desperate times need desperate measures, and and sometimes you just need to take a chance when victory seems just out of reach. Personally, I like solid, reliable players making up the backbone of my side. Um, perfect example, Simon Mannering over the years, you just know he's going to be there, he's rarely injured and he rack up a lot of points for you. Yeah. Um, but you can't just have players like that. Um, it sure doesn't hurt to have a Milford, a Cartwright, Blake Austin on your bench in case you need that rare 120 points that players like that sometimes manage out of the blue. I think at least two massive PODs like those guys are a must for a 21-gun squad. You can play it safe with 19 solid guns or make that desperate call for the Hail Mary type players if needed. Choice is always a good thing. Bill, it's fantastic advice. Just one more component um, in a way to get you over the line as, as, uh, as our listeners in overall. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much for the invitation and good luck to all your overall coaches. I hope I helped. It is fantastic advice and, you know, how you look at things differently when you're going for overall, those trades, those early trades and the money is power mantra. It's so critical and, and it just gives you such an insight uh, guys in, in regards to framing your team and, and looking at those guns early and maybe you know which guns are you going to put in do you do you have a friend that has a second team you know wife or girlfriend um, that you say oh well I was going to put Parker in this and I'll try Gallon here or you know do the same with, with cheapies and and just getting that information getting off to that fast start you know being in the top 20% early you know and, and that that type of thing and helping you on and the five sections are just uh, great advice and you can listen to the full one-on-one interview um, 
on our website, www.supercoachpros.com or on iTunes. I highly recommend it. If you have any inklings or any desires to do well in overall, you need to listen to the full thing. Bill goes into detail in regards. He gives you good examples and he goes into detail in those different sections. So definitely worth listening to that one at our website, www.supercoachpros.com. Guys, the teams have been announced. We need to go move on and talk about uh, the teams. And speaking of uh, podcasts on the website, uh, Pete and I uh, sat down last week to do projections of the teams in round one. Now, that's worth a listen to in its own right if you haven't already, www.supercoachpros.com. So what we're just going to do now is look at some of the, the things that changed from last week to this rather than go through them all. And the Eels and the Broncos, pretty much as per what we expected. Um, Greg Eden really is, is an interesting one there for the Broncos, uh, Ryan, and that's probably the, the big one that's there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he's one of those guys, if you are looking for that relatively cheap um, guy, uh, centre or winger, um, yeah, I think he's your man at, at 160. Great price. Should, should go up in a, in a team that, that has potential to put up good points any given week. Manly and the Bulldogs. Again, um, teams pretty much as as per we suggested, although no Brad Abbey, we thought he might get in there. Look, Andrew, as Bill mentioned on, on um, well, as Bill has mentioned in that one-on-one interview, if you go to our website, you'll hear him talk about players not necessarily needing to pop after rounds three or four, not having Abbey named there in week one, knowing Brett Morris out for an extended period. It's still okay to have him on your bench, isn't it? It is. So he probably will play this year. So it's, it's about not wasting a trade, I guess. So having him in, knowing that he's going to play enough games to make you some money and, yeah, not wasting a trade, essentially. And uh, unfortunately for Chase Stanley's injury history, it could be sooner rather than later. But Stanley getting that chance and Hopawati at fullback, um, but whether he remains there, I, I wasn't that um, thrilled on Hopawati at fullback when he was with the Eels, I think they may go in another direction there sooner rather than later. But, Andrew, I also wanted to say, I know we'd spoke about it a little bit last week, Matt Parcell on the bench, so Apisai Coruscant is at hooker, but it's a 40-40 split, and really the, the train, even though he's a cheapy Matt Parcell, the train's probably, um, well, the ship probably has sailed. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. I mean, I keep hearing great things about this Parcell. I, I keep hearing that he's going to be the starting hooker come a few rounds in. So, I mean... I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on him for a little while. I I really think his potential um, is to be a, a a cash cow. Well, that's really interesting because my fear, obviously, is the the not getting the game time. But but as we've just heard and as we we talk about over and over, you know, you've got to stick with some of these guys because it might just be a few weeks' time. You turn around and there they are, getting you know sixty seventy minutes. Raiders and the Panthers, um, I know we talked about Moylan before. Ryan, Will Smith's the man now named at fullback there. Um, that, you know, maybe there's a chance there, but his price is quite high because of his good performances last year. Yeah, look, his price is quite high. Um, I don't think he's worth it because I'm not sure of his uh, potential at fullback. Um, what I think it does play into is um, Seguiaro and their owners because there was talk that Will Smith would... Um, relieve Seguiaro at some stage. Yeah, played a bit of dummy half there in the trial. Yeah, um, so that may change. It may not. I'm not not entirely sure what Anthony Griffin wants to do. But, um, yeah, that that could definitely be something um, for um, players to look at. 
And Andrew, a blow there for a couple of the players you like. Dallin Watini Zelezniak doesn't get the fullback role. He's on the wing. And Tyrone Peachy, we expected him to get named in the starting lineup, but he's on the bench. Although, Anthony Griffin, you know, he's a new coach there. Maybe he's going to make a last-minute adjustment. Yeah, I mean, I really like uh, DWZ. He's got a uh, big, strong lad, loves breaking tackles, good good scoring tries, had a bit of an injury Disrupted year last year, but I think he's got real potential at fullback. That is not not at um, not at uh, on the wing. And again, I called Tyrone Peachy to have a breakout super coach year, but he's not going to do that from the bench. Um, but again, if he if he gets to start Peachy playing more minutes, I really think he's got the uh, potential to be a, a stud. It's disappointing, but maybe not wholly unexpected. But we'll see what happens when the team actually takes a field. And, of course, speaking of such things, you've got to follow us on Twitter, at SuperCoachPros, because we'll put out tweets before each and every game with those last-minute adjustments, the final team lineups, just like we did for each and every game last year. So if you haven't already, we've almost hit 200. So if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter, at SuperCoachPros. We want to hit that 200 before... Kick off, opening kickoff would be a great way to uh, rein in the opening uh, days with that 200th follower there on Thursday night. Uh, Ryan, let's have a look at the Raiders. There's a few players there of interest. Shannon Boyd got the starting spot, as we thought would happen there um, at prop. Elliot Whitehead is the back rower. And um, Blake Austin and Paul Vaughan and Sia Soliola all on the bench. Oh, I, I, I'm astounded, to be honest. Um, how Sam Williams, number one, plays six when Aiden, Aiden sees in the team, and number two keeps Blake Austin out of the side, out of the starting side. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But um, look, the Raiders, um, their forwards look like they're, um, you know, you could almost pick your team on the Raiders, on the Raiders' forwards, forward pack, because I think they'll go very well this season. Josh Hodgson, Sean Fenson, you know, Josh Papali, there's great names there. The other interesting one was um, Sissa Walker being left out. So Jordan Rapana, I know Stuart likes him, Andrew, and, you know, he's won at least a circle. And, and of course, um, Edric Lear, one of Ryan's favourites. I mean, the Raiders have got a lot of potential there. I, 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 I'm with Ryan. I, I don't see how Sam Wounds is, is, uh, is starting 5-8. It's got to be because of Austin's injury, doesn't it? I mean... Yeah, they're they're got some good scorers in the team. I really like White, and he's got lots of potential as well. Yeah, um, they're they're right for the pick in the old Raiders. They've got some good uh, potential in that team, don't they? Most of the players should at least rise a little bit in cash, and if you can pick the right ones, you'll be doing well. Uh, I think they'll have a pretty good at least start to the year. Tigers and the Warriors. Uh, Jordan Rankin gets that start on the wing as suspected. 145,000. He'll be a good one. Manaya Charrington, named a hooker as we thought, but no um, drink water or any other hooker or backup hooker named on the bench. That's an interesting one. Although Michael Cheekham is 18th man. Would there be any way, Andrew? I mean, you're you're a Cheekham fan and follower for quite a few years now. Is there a way he ends up? At number nine, or does he go into the the centres and someone like Rankin move, you know, into the hooking role, dummy half role? Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty funny, isn't it? They've got three hookers and they only can use one. Um, <laughs> Don't mention that's not including Dean Hallettown, of course. Yeah, that's true. Well. Yeah. yeah, looking at their team, I, I don't see anyone else playing hooker really. Cheekham's centre, second row. Back row, you know, I just don't see it. I think 
he's right for the picking as well, Charrington. Excuse the pun, actually. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see anyone else. Uh, yeah, he's in 80 minutes. I mean, he must. he's almost pick him up instead of uh, Parcel. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. In fact, it's a bit of a tease because we've got a tweet about him a bit later on. So let's go a bit more in depth about Charrington uh, shortly. But let's also talk a bit of Warriors. A huge spectrum of uh, the NRL community in regards to how the Warriors are going to go this year. Some love them, some don't like them at all. No, Conrad Harrell, if you listen to that team's projected team's podcast from last week, you would have heard that already and, know, and known that was going to happen already. But it is still a shock for some. With Blake Ashford, the more defensive-minded centre, getting the um, position ahead. Um, but still those big names, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Sean Johnson, Isaac Luke, and then, of course, uh, Madalino and Mannering, Ryan. You know, there's a lot of guys to choose from if you if you like the Warriors this year. There is. And, look, you've also got um, a guy who did quite well last year, um, Bodine Thompson, on the bench in 17. Um, look, to be honest, the Warriors have a lot of cattle to pick from. But, geez, uh, I don't know what Conrad Hurrells has done to not get picked over Blake Ashford. No no disrespect to Ashford, but I know who the better player is. There's a, there's a lot going on there um, behind the scenes, and McFadden's on the hot seat. And, um, you know, we, I hope the best for, for McFadden. You know, Ryan, Ryan, you and I have known him for a long time, and but it is, it is looking harder and harder for him in, in some of these decisions. What do you make of it, Andrew, in regards to Bodine Thompson getting that that bench spot and Ben Henry getting it over um, Thompson. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, the Ashford one to me again is is baffling. Uh, Nathaniel Roach, I've heard he, he's a he's a hooker, so he's going to be a backup to Isaac Luke. So yeah, he played really well in the nines. He, was, he only came in uh, right at the end because I think another player pulled out injured. Yeah, so I mean, Ben Henry's got a lot of potential, but he's not. I don't know. He's the right price, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, Bodine Thompson, I thought, was great last year. So it's obviously McFadden is trying to stamp his authority. You know, he needs results quick because you know everyone knows the pressure he's under. So he needs he needs, uh, I guess, people he can he can depend on. We'll probably talk about it even more when we get to the Knights, who have named I think five debutants, but. You can fall in the trap of just grabbing guys because they've been named in round one and they can disappear pretty fast. We saw it last year and then we saw the uh, the flip side, the, the good performers from the preseason like you and Aitken and Jack Bird get picked after a couple of rounds. So beware. I think it was a couple of years ago when John Pallavi played two two games at the start and was never seen or heard of again. Yeah, especially with the Warriors. Like... They've got so much talent <laughs> underneath. So much just... talent. Yeah, they're just bringing the next bloke who's, who can run through walls, you know? Still waiting for Pilavi to pop. <laughs> <laughs> the Cowboys and the Sharks. Uh, the Cowboys, as we expected, you know, 1-17. One, one to 17. Um, Kyle Felt's really the interesting one there. Um, most of the others you're pretty much getting at their value. So you might like them and you might want them in your lineup as guns, and that's fair enough, but uh, Felt the only value pick. The Sharks, on the other hand, and again, in the NRL um, team's uh, projections podcast, we said about Ben Barber, he has got the fullback role. Jack Bird at least still gets in at centre because last week we were hearing that it was out of Bird or Barber. Another one wouldn't be in the 17. But with Jared Beal named it as 18th man, it's still not over, is it, Ryan? I mean, 
uh, Shane Flanagan, we never quite know what to expect until that final team name is announced. No, he's, now. he's a bit of a wild card, old Shane. But, um, yeah, look, honestly, I, I'm not sure about Jack Burton centres, but who knows? I mean, the guy could play probably three positions, second row, five eight, or centre, I guess. Um, yeah, ben Barber at fullback, I mean, I think that's a... a a good idea, especially considering um, he's kind of. I guess Ben Barber now has not, not a hell of a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. But um, looking at that Sharks team, that looks like a very, very, very good squad. It's a good squad. I'm not sure, Super Coach, quite where you go, unless again, like with the Cowboys, you're going a gun like Gallon or Graham or Fafita. I'm not sure what value you're getting, particularly in that back line. Um, look at the Rabbitohs versus the uh, Roosters, and the Roosters, well. Latrell Mitchell, Jaden Nicarima, Vincent Lulalai, they're all there. I mean, it's a bit of a, uh, a super catch owner's wet dream when it comes to cheapies and the roosters, Andrew. I mean, it's your sport for choice there, aren't you? I mean, the halves, there's someone in the back, even Dale Copley's quite cheap. Um, yeah, I mean, who, do you, who, who do you want to take your pick? I, yeah, Kane Evans. Personally, for me, I'm going to steer clear of Jackson Hastings. I, I don't think he's He's going to be that good super coach wise. I mean, he's probably going to play well for the Bruce, but I just don't think he's going to be a good super coach buy. I think everyone's going to fall into that trap just because he's cheap and he's going to play 24 games from this year. He's yeah. going to be good. I just I think that's a bit so, of a track. They're so hit and miss, aren't they? We looked at Luke Brooks, you know, only what a couple of years ago, and, you know, all the raps on the world, cheap as, cheap as chips, and, um, you know, very hit and miss. And Hastings, I don't think, has the talent of Brooks. No, no, I, I think you might. I think you're right too. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's like I said, good player in his own right, but not 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 super coach for me. I like his um, partner in the halves, Jaden Nicarima. I think he, he'll run. He'll take on the line a lot more. Yeah, he seems like. I think yeah, uh, Hastings a bit more of an organizer, a bit mm. more of a passer, kick to the corners kind of bloke, and Nicarima is a, a runner. Uh, you know, setting up line breaks, scoring tries, that kind of player. Yeah, he's $20,000 cheaper. And when um, Mitchell Pearce will be back, we've seen him come back into the country just yesterday, he will be back. And so the guy that keeps his spot may end up being Nick Arima at 5'8", which Pearce at halfback makes more sense anyway. So uh, Latrell Mitchell on the wing, you know, I think... Uh, Ryan, I don't know how you see that one, but I think he'll end up at fullback. Blake Ferguson looked a bit dodgy under the high ball. Yeah, no, I hope, well, for the Roosters' sake, I hope that Mitchell ends up um, at fullback because, yeah, our, everyone's seen what uh, Mitchell can do if they've watched um, the lower grade stuff. And, yeah, um, no, once again, no disrespect to Blake Ferguson, but Blake Ferguson is a, is a class centre, but he's not a fullback. In saying that, though, I mean, He's very good as a centre. With him getting more touches, I don't see it's a bad side for You could end up having them both in your lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And well, look, Latrell Mitchell will gain you some cash regardless. Yes, he's a must have. You're smart for choice with cheapies in the back line, but he's, a, he's one that stands above the packet for mine. The Rabbitohs, really interesting. Uh, most of the team was as. Um, expected the big one will be next week when we're pretty sure Cody Walker will be named ahead of Luke Keary. Watch this space. Cameron McGuinness did get the starting hooker 
uh, spot as we predicted over Damien Cook, but uh, we, we assume Cook eventually wins that role, but still none of those splits like Parcel, Coruscant, it's tough to sort of weigh up here. But I like the interesting one for me, Andrew, is Paul Carter in the second row because he's a good price too. You could put him at hooker and now he's starting second rower. Yeah, I really like this kid. He's um, tough as nails and he, he, he plays a hard game. Um, and I think he, he's, again, got potential to score some good points in a super coach. Price it right, 164000 Um Yeah, why not? He's a starting second row. Play hooker. Yeah, I don't see a downside to him. Sam Burgess has to carry the load with his brothers out. Um, you know, I, I think you're probably putting your stocks in, into him early anyway. And, and uh, if it doesn't work out, you can always trade him before the, the price change and, and, and uh, keep your cash and, and put him into someone useful. I think he's worth uh, owning. The Titans and the Knights, these are the, the, the two teams, you know, I guess um, two of the poorest teams last year. Someone's going to get away with a win here. Ignatius Parsi's the big one. We've talked about him all pre-season. He's got the starting role ahead of Ryan James. A big call because I believe Ryan James is captain. So, you know, Nathan, well, Nathan Friend and Will Zillman are named captains. But it's a big call to, to have James off the bench. But Parsi has been that good. And young Nathan Davis, Ryan, is uh, in the centres there with Josh Hoffman. That's an interesting one. That is interesting, Mike. Um, yeah. 100% surprise, actually, but I guess um, McDonald is, has a knee injury, so um, they had to slot someone in there, and um, Davis gets his chance. And, look, I, I, if you're looking for someone who's a cheapie, possibly, worst, who knows? The Gold Coast are more likely to stick under Neil Henry than the Knights we'll talk about in a moment under Nathan Brown because they've got a host of cheapies there too. It still seems like Ash Taylor's a standout, but I think um, for Gold Coast over... You know, Davis and Levi Pulu from the bench. Um, let's look at the Knights. Jalen Feeney has been named at fullback. No Jake Marmo, no Danny Levy. I'm quite shocked. We've got the Safidi brothers got a shot there. Definitely Jacob uh, at that cheap price starting second row. I think you can you can bring in there because it's a position that there aren't as many options out there for the for the 113,000s. The backs is a lot more difficult. What do you think about the Mataudia brothers, not Sione, but Ch- Chanel and Pat getting named there, Andrew, and for that matter, Jalen Feeney at fullback? I mean, Nathan Nathan Brown's <laughs> wielded the axe, hasn't he? I mean, again, I haven't seen much of Feeney, but he, he looks like he's got the goods. Brown's got a pretty good rap on him, and Mataudia brothers, I mean, they've, they've, they've got talent, don't they? So I don't think you can go too wrong with them. I, I I'm really liking Feeney, though. I mean, I, I like a super coach player that's going to get his hands on the ball more often than not. And like I said, Feeney at fullback, I think he's got some uh, good good credentials. Yeah, and the thing with Nathan Brown, of course, um, you know, tutelage under Brian Smith. Brian Smith is renowned for last-minute changes. So everyone beware that if you're bringing these guys in, it's the second-last game of the round, Brown's just as likely to change it all again on you. So be very careful. The guy I like the most from the 17 is Lachlan Fitzgibbon. I thought he looked quite good last year. So I don't, I'm not saying to pick him up right now, but put a circle around him. But any of those Knights players are going to go to your watch list. And, you know, taking the the advice from Bill, who we heard earlier today, you know, looking at bringing those guys in round two, round three, when we, we get a bit more on paper, because they're certainly the most unknown and uh, the ones that, you know, it's very hard to, 
to, to say whether they'll even be there by round three. Storm and the Dragons. Um, Melbourne, as Expected, although there's question marks over Billy Slater, whether he'll play. Now, Cameron Munster hasn't been named, but it's just as likely that he ends up playing, and Slater doesn't, so work that one out. Um, Richard Kenner gets in the centres. Look, he was a cheapie last year that never really came on. He just couldn't quite get over the try line. Not sure if he can go anywhere there. You're probably looking at your studs like your Jesse Bromwiches, your Cameron Smiths, and your Tohu Harris's there. Um, Ryan, unfortunately, one of our favourites, Nelson Asafa Solomon, named um, in number 19. That's not to say he won't get a go, but um, didn't didn't get in the in the staying lineup or even the main bench. No, he didn't. Which is yeah, it's a bit of a downer, but that's okay. Look, yeah, as you were saying before, I think um, like Harris um, and your other, uh, you know, Corabidi, those kind of guys are your. Um, the other ones you want to pick. Billy Slater is obviously a um, obviously going to be a a guy who you want to pick if you can fit him in your team. He's a um, that price is a little bit yeah pricey as well as the injury is a little bit dicey. Yeah, that three hundred thousand is so enticing, but the injury <laughs> throws it up. Which way do you go there? But could be a point of difference. Um, Andrew, looking at the Dragons, Josh Dugan ends up being in the centres as we as we predicted in that. Um, in, in that podcast, looking at all the teams. And um, a few other interesting names there. Mike Cooper gets the spot at 13 over Jack DeBellin. That could be one to, to look at. And Ewan Aitken getting the wing spot over Peter Mataudia. So, yeah, it's it's hard with the Saints there. It's, it's going to be hard to, to really find one or two standouts, even though their their buy structure is nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, Tyson Frizzell, but he's, he's not playing round one. Um mm. And Russell Packer's a good option for front row. He's relatively cheap. Um, and, and again, Kurt Mann, Kurt Mann from the Storm um, system, he's, he, he might be, again, a nice point of difference. Uh, I, I do like Dugan and Lafayette, but um, not at centres. Uh, I think I might have to give the Dragons a miss. Sorry, Pete. Yeah, it could be a long year for them. And um, I don't know if I'm willing to take the chances yet. Definitely know that Dragons have good buy structures when you bring trades in as we move forward. But for now, except for maybe Cooper or, you know, like you said, maybe Russell Packer, it's very, very tough. All right, guys, let's move on to our Twitter questions for this week. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at SuperCoachPros. And don't forget, you can also send us a message on Facebook now. We're on Facebook. Yeah, just look us up at SuperCoachPros. Our first question tonight um, is a two-pronger from Glenn Lovett. He says at Supercatch Pros, uh, final reserve spot, Paulie Paulie, Jalen Feeney or Jackson Hastings. Uh, Ryan, where do, you, where do you go there? Uh, Feeney, I, I would say. Um, he's going to obviously feature with Newcastle um, and obviously the fullback gets involved. Um, I, I think he's just going to be a bit more than a bit more of a runner than, than say, uh, as we mentioned before, as Hastings would be. Are you worried that Jake Mano eventually gets that role back or do you think that, um, or even Sienna Matadia, or do you think he's going to get enough game time? Well, he might, but, I mean, you've got to keep him for at least the first couple of rounds. You'll still get a rise out of him, even if it's yeah. even if it's little. And, uh, Andrew, you know, you mentioned about Jackson Hastings earlier and, and what, what we said then I think applies right now. It looks like he's, he's even though he's a nice price, we're not sure if we're going to see that big uptick that we need from our we really really want from our cheapies to start the year yeah 
I was thinking, yeah, maybe Paulie Paulie. He's probably, you know, he, he really impressed in the trials and um, I'd be leaning more towards Nick Arima than, than, um, than Jackson Hastings if, if you know. And he, like, well, like we said before, he's $20,000 cheaper. So I think, uh, yeah, get them all in there, but trade out Nick Arima and, and Hastings. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There might be some other ones there beyond what he's even said that may be better still. Yeah. Um, Rankin, um, Nikarima, and a couple of others we've mentioned when we did the teams. He also wants to know, is Nathan Green a trap? He got the starting uh, second row spot there for Manly. Andrew, I'll stick with you because you're our Northern Beaches expert. Uh, what do you think about Green? He looked pretty good in the, in the nines, the games he played before he got hurt. But, uh, yeah, interesting selection. Yeah, I watched him play in the trial against Ipswich, and um, he he looked good. But uh, this selection took me totally off guard. I I, I would have thought that uh, someone like a uh, Mateo or, or Leary could have filled that. I mean, Beer is out for a couple more weeks, so and you know we've, we've still got uh, Tommy Simons as well. So it's 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 a it's a tricky one. It's a very good question, but. I mean, if he plays well in the first uh, first game, he'll probably keep 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 the jumper until um until the price rise. So yeah, it's uh, it is a tricky one. It's a good question. I I haven't even looked at him if I'm honest uh, in that way. I'm I'm worried because I think even a good game when some of these other guys come back, I don't know how long he can stay in the team for, and you might end up being stuck with him. And and when when you're looking at those guys to pop, you know, look at Soliolo last year. The forwards, you want them playing regularly. You want them, they're going to build slowly, whereas the backs might jump up like a John Folau and then disappear quickly so you can get away with it. With the forwards, you really need to sort of ensure that they're going to be getting that consistent game time for six, eight, ten weeks to make that money back, What whereas a back, it's more risky, but you could make them in three weeks. So that'd be my concern there. Um, at Dale, the Ninja... With the Tigers saying Cherrington will play 80 minutes this season, is he a must? Can you trust them? Ryan, we, we, we teased it earlier. I mean, can you trust the Tigers? <laughs> well, look, I'm, I can only go on their team. And looking at their team, there doesn't look to be anyone who's an out-and-out replacement for Cherrington. Um, they, I mean, I was reading today, and I know it was the players talking. I think it was Lawrence and Woods, so they're not going to talk down their teammate. No. But... They were saying that last year he was, you know, he was quite good in the in the games that he played, he did. and that he, he was good. an eighty minute player um, in the lower grades. So mm. it'll be interesting, especially tackling a massive um, Warriors forwards pack. So we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm I'm not sure where they're going to find a replacement from. There's going to be a lot of shuffling if that if that is the case. But he will get some. We will get some decent time. We loved what Sherrington brought to the table last year. It didn't relate super coach wise. I think he had a try disallowed one game, you know, set up a try that was called back for a bit of a, a forward pass that probably wasn't forward another game. So th- there were points left out there that he could have had accumulated that could have maybe made him look a bit better last year than he did from a pure numbers um, standpoint. In saying that, a guy his size in this day and age, very, very tricky to play 80 minutes. It wasn't the coaching staff that said he's going to play 80. It was the players endorsing him, as Ryan said. I, I would be very concerned. Look, you've got a big-name hooker in your lineup, and 
you're looking for a cheapie as a backup and you don't want to go with Matt Parcell or, and um, Nick Arima's maybe in your halves instead, Jaden Nick Arima, then Manai Cherrington is a good pick. He's a good pick in the regards that you know what you're going to get out of him. You know he's going to play those first few rounds. You can always get rid of him. He's going to pop at least a little bit. But any longer than that, that thing, that question, can you trust them? It starts to, to really come into it. I mean, Bill said earlier in the show about if, you've, if you're lucky enough and you've got friends or family and you're advising them, maybe that's the team that you put Cherrington in and your team you leave him out and if it works out and that team's the one that's going strong and that's the team that you uh, you know you take on uh, for, for your, your top 100 whatever finish, you know. Um, it's going to be hard to put all your eggs in one basket with a team that's probably likely to finish last or second last. And that, in the business, is called a segue, Andrew, because it is time for our wooden spooners and premiers. Let's start with you. Who's going to win the comp and who's going to come last? All right, so I have the Broncos coming first at the end of the regular season. But the Warriors taking out the premiership. Whoa, so you're one of those on that end of the spectrum. Yeah, no, I mean, it's too easy to say the Broncos or the Cowboys, isn't yeah, it? So I'm going to say that I wanted to say Manly, but that's a bit too biased and a bit too hopeful. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna, I mean, they've got, the, they've got the makings, don't they? I mean, all they have to do is get it together. Their attack should be the best in the competition with, you know, that spine. So why not? And um, Wooden Spooners, sorry to say, boys. Tigers, I just can't nah, see. No. <laughs> I can't. I can't see them winning more games than any others. I mean, I don't see Jason Taylor seeing out the year. No. I just, I just think at the moment they're a bit of a basket case. Ryan, do you see it any differently? I mean, that, that's a bold prediction for the premiers. Well, look, um, I actually am going to pick the Sea Eagles as premiers. Wow, that. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I really, I really do like <laughs> what they've bought and what they, what they're bringing. Um, whether or not it works, I mean, who knows if Trent Barrett can coach or not? Um, I guess we'll find out in about 24 rounds or 26 rounds or whatever. Um, as for last, I'm going to go the Titans just because I'm not going to pick my own team to come last. Um, but yeah, the Titans. I just well, they haven't changed a hell of a lot from last year, and they've. Yeah, picked up some guys who weren't wanted by other clubs. So let's, yeah, let's just say that. And although Pete is not with us tonight, he's given us his predictions, the Cows to win it all and the Titans to come last. And, uh, you know, when we did our pre-season shows, obviously went through, you know, all the teams in detail and you can find all of them on the website www.supercoachpros.com. I had the Titans as the spoon. I can't have them now because watching them in the trials, watching them in the nines, I think they'll outperform that. So without going through all 26 rounds again and trying to figure all of it out, I've just got to look at the team that I originally had as 15th, and that's the Tigers. I've got to pick my own team for last, and I'm not happy about it. And uh, there's teams like the Panthers and the Knights that I think will give them a good run for their money. And who knows, maybe even the Roosters, although... Trent Robinson is such a good coach. I'm not sure if they'll reach those depths this year. Um, Premiers, I, w- I will be boring. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Andrew. Bron- Broncos, I think the Cowboys will finish top. I think they could go back-to-back. I think they've got the roster to do it. But it's so tough. It is just so tough. And the Broncos probably deserved it last year. They played too negatively in those final 30 minutes. That's what cost them 
the Premiership, they won't make that mistake uh, two years running. I think they'll win it all. That's all we have time for, guys. Uh, thank you. Another big show. Uh, I hope, you know, and I'm sure you've got a lot out of that one. Make sure you go to the website, download the full uh, version of that one-on-one podcast in regards to overall that I did with Bill. Ryan, can't wait to the footy. Yeah, that's right. Bring it on Thursday. We'll see you next week. Bye. Andrew, thank you very much. We'll see you next week as well. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, Bring on Thursday. And that is the Supercoach Professionals Roundtable podcast for another week. I am Paulie G. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Pros, like us on Facebook, and, of course, you can download all our podcasts there on the website, www.supercoachpros.com or on iTunes. Until next week, bye for now.